Uh, We're going to have our Bible reading now, and our Bible reading is from Isaiah and chapter 40. Now, on these Sunday mornings, we have started our Christmas series last week, and we're, we're using as a kind of an outline this booklet called Comfort and Joy. And this has got 25 days of devotional readings to start on December the 1st and finish on Christmas Day. And it's a a reading a day based on a passage of Scripture in the Book of Consolation between Isaiah chapter 40 and Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, We remember a few years ago, we did a series together called Under Bethlehem Skies. And it was a similar thing that we did. But in that booklet, it had every day a song to listen to, uh, which was a real blessing. Uh, This one doesn't have a song to listen to. So glad to say Eleanor's put together a playlist, uh, which we will publish every day, uh, a song to listen to that fits in with the reading starting December the 1st. If you'd like one of these booklets, then there's some on the welcome desk, and there's some down here, and they're just uh, one pound. Uh, That's all. So Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 12. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one calling. In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Well, this is God's word. It's true and it's trustworthy. And to his name be the praise. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we now behold our God in the word of God, Pray that by the Spirit of God, you would make real the Son of God in our lives this morning. Show us, we pray, 
where our comfort and joy should really come from. In Jesus' name, amen. Comfort and joy. We could all do with a little bit of comfort and joy. There are many things in life that can get us down. On the international scene, oh, the news upsets and saddens us constantly. And on the national scene, Many things that are happening in our nation at the moment that we can't believe would happen, and that can get us down as well. And then personally, there are things in our own life, the things that we struggle with, that can get us down. Robin Williams once said, everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Be kind, always. And we all have our own inner struggles, mental struggles, emotional struggles, and they get us down, and our spiritual struggles too. And then there's our physical health, and that condition can get us down at times. Maybe our spiritual life and our relationship with the Lord is not going so well, and we feel that we've just got to make extra efforts, extra harder to make God happy with us, and that can get us down. So we need to hear and to know what God has done for us and what God thinks of us. We need to hear the comfort and joy of God's word. And that's what we're doing on these Sunday mornings for the end of November and all of December, using that devotional book, Comfort and Joy, based on the Bible texts in what's called the Book of Consolation, Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 55, full of comfort and joy. We mentioned this last week. We mentioned how Isaiah chapter 40 opens with comfort and Isaiah chapter 55 ends with joy. So if we can see those two verses on our screen. Isaiah 40 to Isaiah 55 contains many prophecies of comfort and joy for God's people that come through Jesus Christ. So it starts with comfort. Chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Now when you repeat something, and when the scripture repeats something, or when you do so, it shows some kind of emotional intensity. You don't just say someone's name once, you say it twice, because you're intense about it. Uh, I remember a song a long time ago by the Shangri-Las called Leader of the Pack. Look out, look out. Because there was an emotional intensity. Something terrible was going to happen. Look out, look out. And in the same way, God says to us, comfort, comfort. And then you read on through the whole chapters of Isaiah till you get to chapter 55. And the last verse is verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There's an exuberance there. There's, uh, it seems to be that the people of God are exploding into joy, and there's uh, clapping hands, which is always a, it's what people do when they have this spontaneous outburst of appreciation. They clap. So the beginning and the end of this book of consolation and everything in between is to give us comfort and joy. And we find substantial reasons 
for comfort and joy in those chapters. And it's all because of the one whom Isaiah points us to. The one that we mentioned last week that Simeon held in his hands and said, this is the consolation of Israel. This is the salvation of God. This is the revelation of God. This is the glory of God. And he was holding not a book of doctrine, not a book of creeds, not a book of self-help kind of thing, but a baby named Jesus. In this baby is found our comfort and joy. Comfort and joy comes in Jesus, comes through Jesus, and is ours because of Jesus Christ. So, this morning, we're going to just concentrate on the first 11 verses of Isaiah chapter 40. Great if you can have those verses open. They'll be on the screen as well, but better read in your Bible. And what we're going to see in these verses is the following. We're going to see that we can have real comfort and joy because God has come to us in Jesus Christ. And there's three things that bring us comfort and joy in these verses. There's glory, there's goodness, and there's gentleness. Three things beginning with G, a 3G sermon. I haven't got the connectivity of 5G yet, but 3G. First of all, glory, glory. Chapter 40, verses 3 to 5. These verses tell us that a way must be made for the Lord to come to us. And when he does come to us, he will reveal his glory in the wilderness of our lives. Comfort and joy. A voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all the people will see it together. For the mouth, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, originally, this prophecy is always good to put things in its context before you apply it to yourself. So originally, this prophecy was given to the Jewish exiles who were in Babylon, far away from their homeland. They'd been taken away through war to, their, to a far away. And they were feeling that their life was without glory there. there was, their life was nothing but a wilderness there, far away from home. So Isaiah encourages them by saying that glory will return to the wilderness. And that's the first meaning of, of this when it was first given. But as with most Old Testament prophecies, they don't just have one fulfillment. Sometimes they can have a double or triple or whatever fra other fraction we, we want of fulfillments. So this prophecy was also fulfilled in John the Baptist. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, opens by saying John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So those verses, verses 3 to 5, speak about a voice calling in the wilderness. And not just calling in the wilderness, but saying, verse 3, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. 
So John the Baptist was in the wilderness preaching about people being in the wilderness who could yet have glory. And John the Baptist was never, ever about himself. He was always the voice crying out to one greater than himself. He said, after me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. The very next verses in Mark chapter 1 say, and so Jesus came from Nazareth to the wilderness to be baptized by John. And when Jesus was baptized, there was such glory revealed in the wilderness. The whole trinity was revealed when Jesus was baptized. The heavens were torn open. A voice came from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. The Spirit of God descended on Jesus, and Jesus, the Son of God himself, was in the water being baptized. What glory that was there, all revealed in the wilderness. Glory had come, the Father's voice, the Spirit descending, the Son being baptized. Glory had come to the wilderness. But do you know this can have another fulfillment as well? Not just for the Jews before Jesus, not just for John the Baptist and Jesus and the people around him, but us today, 2,000 years later. The glory that Jesus Christ brought to the wilderness of Judea can also be brought to the wilderness of our lives today. And often our lives do feel like a bit of a wilderness a wilderness is a, a barren place, an undeveloped area. It's a place where really nobody bothers to plant or to farm. It's an inhospitable place. Not many people, if anyone, lives there. A wilderness is a wasteland for many people. And so many of us can feel like that, either every now and again, or else for many months and years in succession. We can feel that nothing good is growing in my life. It's dull, barren, and uninviting. I'm like a houseplant that hasn't been watered for months on end, and it's withering something rotten. And we can feel like that for various reasons. We can feel that we're just a failure. We failed at so many things in life. We failed at school, failed in our career, failed in our marriage, failing in our parenting. Nothing seems to succeed or grow in our lives. Sometimes we can feel our life is a wilderness because we've messed up big time. We've abused our body and our mind. And we're still suffering the physical or the mental or the emotional or the financial consequences of that mess up. And people might try to avoid us. On the other hand, we can have so much. We can be surrounded by riches. But thinking, actually, I've got nothing, even with all the riches. Yet my life is a wilderness. They leave me feeling empty. And that's how many people feel in life. Maybe you feel like that this morning, that your life is uh, eroding away like a cliff that's gradually falling into the sea. And eventually that will be you. You'll just collapse into nothingness or collapse into the sea and washed away. The years are going on. Nothing new is happening. Your health is not what it was. And you go to more funerals than parties now. 
the wilderness life as a reality for many people and many church people as well. So how wonderful to know that in the wilderness, the glory of God can be revealed. Every valley should be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground should become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed in your life. The wilderness is not where your life will end. You're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is glory for you. Listen, Colossians 3 verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all the problems. Glory is coming your way. Your life won't end in failure. Abuse will not define you. Emptiness will be filled. And any withering in life that you feel you've got in your soul will turn to flourishing because glory will be revealed in the wilderness. And this is not hashtag Delulu, but this is real. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. And that means comfort and joy. There's a second G. Not just glory, but good news. So our next verse, chapter 40, verse 9. Now this verse tells us that an announcement of good news will be made. And the good news is God will come to us. And that brings comfort and joy. Verse 9, you who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. Notice there that good news is repeated twice. Why? Emotional intensity again. Good news. Good news. In fact, in the book of Consolation, the uh, two words put together, good news, are repeated four times. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And originally, again, to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, it was good news because they felt God had deserted them. But good news, God is coming back to you. Here is your God, and he will bring you home. The New Testament puts these two words together 27 times. Good news. Some versions translate it as gospel. A gospel, or the good news in the Bible sense, is an announcement that something has happened that will impact you and change you for good. Good news is this. Here is your God. It's the good news of the New Testament. What was it that the angels announced to the shepherds in the Bethlehem fields when the night when Jesus was born? The angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. And the good news is that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. So good news, God has come to you. It's Christ 
the Lord. Jesus repeated this when he began his ministry. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time, of, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near, he said. Repent and believe the good news, he said. Good news. God rules. And then the apostles took this up in the Acts of the Apostles, proclaiming good news in Jerusalem and Samaria and Caesarea and Antioch and Lystra and Athens and to the ends of the earth. Good news. God has come to us. That is an amazing thing. God has come to us. The very name that was to be given to Jesus means Savior. Jesus equals Savior. But there was another name also that the ancient prophet said to give to this Christ child, and it was this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us now. God with us. Grasp that. In that manger was Emmanuel, God with us. In the carpenter's shop was Emmanuel, God with us. Traveling around the towns of Judah was Emmanuel, God with us. And on the cross, suffering, God with us, Emmanuel. And it's so too, today, here, right now, Emmanuel, God is with you. I don't know what your idea of God is. Maybe you think of him as far away and distant, living somewhere beyond the blue, un unconcerned about us. Well, Emma's children's talk actually told us the complete opposite of that. God is concerned about us. God wants to hear every word we say. God is with us. Don't think of God as just living in an echo chamber of angelic praises. No, God has come to us in Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. You don't need to theorize or speculate wondering what is God like. Just fix your eyes on Jesus and you will see the full revelation of God in the flesh. God with us. And to us here today, God is with us. He's with us when we feel all alone. And loneliness is a terrible feeling to have and a terrible reality as well. We feel sometimes not just all alone in life, but all alone in the universe. You can feel that people around you, there are people around you, but you still feel alone. You can be in a crowd, but you can feel alone in a crowd. Then good news, comfort and joy to you. You're not alone. God has come to you. We can feel all alone and we can feel fearful at times. And we can feel so fearful that something's going to happen to me. Something terrible. We can be worried about our condition. You can be awaiting your results. You feel that you might, that you are facing a temptation that is so strong that you might yet give in to it. And these feelings of fear can keep coming back to us like a, a spam caller that you can't block. Keep coming along. But good news of comfort and joy, God has come to you. That means 
that when we feel alone at night, in the long hours of the night, God is with us. When we feel that we're waiting a long time for that appointment, God is with us. And in all our disappointments, God is with us. And when you feel that you are in total confusion about your teenage children, God is with you. And the other way around as well, when you teenagers feel you're in total confusion about your mum and dad, God is with you. Good news of great joy. Perhaps the most repeated words ever given by one Christian to another Christian is this. The Lord is with you. What a tremendous thing. The Lord is with you. God has come to us, and that's good news. So comfort and joy, because the wilderness of our life can be turned into glory. Comfort and joy, because in our fear and loneliness, then God has come to us. The third G, 3G now, the third G, gentleness. Gentleness, verses 10 and 11. These verses tell us that when God comes to us in Jesus Christ, he is both utterly powerful and extremely gentle. That brings comfort and joy. Verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. God demonstrated this in Jesus Christ, who came with both power and tenderness. Jesus, strong and kind. The power of the Lord was evident in Jesus. He stilled the storms with a word. He raised Lazarus from the grave, and he himself came back from the dead. There is power, the mighty arm of the Lord. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and Jesus really did. But there was a great gentleness in Jesus that was evident when he ministered to the sick, when he welcomed the little children to him, when he gently, kindly touched a leper, and when he comforted a widow. This is our God, powerful, yet so very gentle. We need his power. We need his power to save us and to raise us from spiritual death. We need his power to keep us because we're often going astray. We need his power to strengthen us because we feel so weak so many times. And we need his power to rule over us because we can be so undisciplined. We need the rule of God powerfully in our lives, but we also need his gentle touch in our lives. And verse 11 is such a, a very gentle, tender picture of a shepherd tending the flock, of a shepherd gathering the lambs in his arms, then carrying the lambs, not at a distance, but close to his heart and a shepherd gently leading his sheep. This is Jesus, the gentle shepherd. Was there ever kinder shepherd, half so gentle, half so sweet, as the Savior who would have us come and gather at his feet? This is our God. 
And we are needy people. And we need that power and we need that gentleness. And we need to be handled with care. Because we're fragile and can easily break. We can fall apart if handled roughly. And we can be damaged by sin and abuse. So we need the care. But we need the power. And Jesus comes to us with both those things. And that brings comfort and joy. So no matter what our condition, no matter what the thoughts of our mind or the condition of our body or even of our spirit, then there are substantial reasons here in these verses to bring you and me this morning comfort and joy. The glory of the Lord will be revealed in the wilderness of our life. Emmanuel, God can be with us in our loneliness and fear. And you can be carried powerfully and gently throughout the whole of your life because of the good news. God has come to us. And in Christ, God is up close and incredibly personal. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful things that you say in your word. They bring us comfort and joy, good tidings. Help us, we pray, to believe them. Not just to hear them, to listen to them, to kind of know them, but to grasp them, to believe them, and to trust you. Lord, reveal your glory in our life now and in the future, we pray. Help us to know that you are with us always, even to the end of the age. And we pray that you would powerfully rule over us, but in such a gentle way that we're not broken, but healed. Thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are all these things to us and much more beside. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us, now and forevermore. Amen.